When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I am Ben. We are joined, as always, uh, by our super producer, Noel, uh, Noel Thrifty Brown. Thrifty, I like it. Yeah, I, do, I do. Let's, uh, as always, let's, uh, let's come up with a few more along the way. And I bet listeners could write in with some good ones on this one, too. We really want to hear your feedback on this, and uh, we imagine you will have some stories to tell, folks. Uh, this suggestion actually came to us from a listener. Is that correct? It is correct, yes. And I, I think we have had mentioned this one in one of our Nuts and Bolts podcasts, the last one we did. Um, I don't remember if it's part one or part two, but it's somewhere in there. Um, it is a, a note that came to us via Facebook from Bob M. And Bob wrote in and uh, suggested that we talk about the cheapest running car you ever bought. And mm. I think we even mentioned his cheapest running car, but I got a little bit more detail here. So um, the one that he purchased uh, for the cheapest amount, running, again, that's the key here is running. Uh, so it's not like a project car, or, you know, a basket case car or something. Um, but he bought a 1965 Mercury Comet four-door for just $75. And that was in the late 1980s in Pennsylvania when he picked that up. Wow. That's a running car. So, you know, it might have needed a few little things like, um, I'm not sure exactly, uh, you know, maybe a tune-up or something like that. But uh, he said it had the original hubcaps. It was painted mostly copper, he says. And uh, it got thumbs up from all the drivers, you know, as he went by. Because it's a classic car, right? Even mm-hmm. even back then, it was only about 15 or 20 years old. I, I say only, but 15 or 20 years old, That's uh, that falls right into almost classic or near right. classic. And if he still had it now, which I don't think he does... Uh, that would uh, that would definitely be a classic. So mm-hmm. something that turns heads on the road. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll see. He also mentioned a couple other ones, but I'll quickly go through these because these aren't the cheapest one that he he bought. These um, just uh, also mentioned. Yeah, like uh, runner-ups, I guess. He said yeah. he also bought an '89 Ford Festiva for about four hundred and twenty-five dollars because it needed new tires, and he negotiated uh, negotiated that amount off of the five hundred dollar asking price, so he got it down to four twenty-five. Um, and by the way, he said it's a spunky little car that gets 45 miles per gallon. Wow. I, we've talked about the Festiva a few times in the past, and 45 seems about right, maybe mm-hmm. even more in some cases. So in some cases. That was a good purchase. Um, I think, let's see, another one, he said he drove an 80 Pinto Square wagon that he bought for $500. He said he drove it like a, a sports car with this rack and pinion steering, drove, drove it, uh, steering rather, 
drove it everywhere, loved that vehicle. Um, and oh, and eventually sold it to a guy, I think, that um, was going to use it kind of like my Festive was used for, for uh, like a, a small group racing in uh, like SCCA competition oh, yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that. So, um, interesting story on that one. Hey, I apologize as we're reading along here. My voice is kind of going in and out, uh, just a little bit of a, a, a cold or something or, or Allergies or well, whatever. Because you were you were screaming so loud at that concert last night. <laughs> well, that too. It's it could be traffic. I could have been yelling in traffic. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's just a little bit sore. So I apologize for any uh, you know fade in and fade out of my voice here as we go through. Um, but you know, there's a few others here along the way. I don't even know if I'm going to mention the others. They're, they get a little more expensive. But mm-hmm. for Bob, the cheapest running car I ever bought was that '65 Mercury Comet for what was it, seventy five dollars. Uh, it's a good running $75. car. $75. Yeah, something you can use to get around town. You can get to work. You can get wherever you need to go. Uh-huh. $75. Bucks. That's quite a deal. Did he say uh, when? Yeah, it was, it? In the, it was in the 1980s, in okay. the late 1980s in Pennsylvania. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a reasonable deal. That's kind of a steal, I would say. Um, I don't know the situation that led up to getting something like that, but there's always a situation, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Kind of a must-sell situation. Right. Or, um, you know, I just bought another vehicle, and this one is just taking up space in my driveway. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it could be a parent who is not giving a car to a kid, but but making them purchase it for a very reasonable amount, something like that. Or maybe uh, to sell to a friend is kind of a solid, you know, like as a favor almost. Right. Or, or perhaps these are some of my favorite stories, although they are somewhat tragic. Or someone has gotten into some sort of legal shenanigan, mm-hmm. whether it's a divorce or uh, some something that's happened before in the past is uh, people who have accumulated quite a bit of wealth through unethical means will, you know, uh, if they're going through a, a bankruptcy or something, will need to divest themselves of assets. Mm. And so they will sell something, whether it's a, a house or a car or, you know, of course, a yacht uh, to somebody for very, very low, low price. What they're essentially doing, and this is such a loophole, is they're essentially giving it to someone to hold on so it's not in their name while they're in, in the court. Yeah, with maybe uh, first dibs on the buyback, right? Right, and that I'm sure that rarely happens, but to me it's just such an interesting little side uh, side street to go down. You know, you can actually make that kind of situation work for you. If you're looking for a deal on a, a vehicle, you can go to Craigslist and search uh, the term. Instead of searching for a specific vehicle, search for the term must-sell fast or must-sell mm-hmm. quick or mm-hmm. – um, Divorce sale, something like that. You know, oh, yeah. That's a lot a, of times. That's yeah. a sale in divorce oh, sales. Yeah, exactly. Or um, liquidation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get to into the uh, the sad side of that, I, you know, I don't know if we even need to for this podcast, because what you and I are going to talk about to kick off the conversation is the cheapest car that you or I have ever bought that still uh, was running. And I'm going to tell you, Scott. I don't know if you're going to be entirely happy with me on this one because I'm going to cheat a little. You're going to cheat. I'm going to cheat a you're, little. You're going to cheat. Is this a, now? It can't be a car that was given to you. No, 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 no. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm curious now. So you you've got to go first then. Okay. So so let us have it, Ben. What was the cheapest running car that you've ever purchased? Okay. Here's how I am cheating. It was not exactly my car. This is a car that I've mentioned on the air before, ladies and gentlemen. It's one of my favorite examples of a cheap car that was running. In the 1990s, my father bought a car from his boss at the time. This car was a 1976 fourth-gen 
El Camino. Oh, cool. And it was, uh, it was running, right? Yeah. I feel like I need to put that in, uh, it was, air quotes. It was running, but barely is what you're saying. <laughs> it was running for its life. Ah, got it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, they had a huge argument about the price of this car. Oh, now see, this always happens when, uh, someone who works for somebody else, it's like, uh, who's mm. getting the raw end of the deal, right? Right. Well, here's the argument, Scott. For this uh, 1976 El Camino with, I think I think it had the V8, uh, so it had a it had a monstrous engine, right? Uh, the price that they've settled on was a hundred dollars because it had a lot of miles, had a lot of problems, mm. had some holes where they're not supposed to be holes, some things that closed when they should open, some things that open when they shouldn't. And uh, the big argument was that my uh, my dad's boss or coworker at the time was uh, furious about the price, and my dad was furious about the price because his boss just said, "Please, just get this away from my house. Just take it. I don't want to see it again. Good luck." And my dad said, "No, no, I can't just take a car. I have to pay you something for it." So they negotiated. I think they both got angry about it. And then finally, I don't remember how the story goes, but finally uh, my dad said, all right, look, I'm giving – here's $100 and I'm leaving. So wait a minute. So you're telling me that the price of $100 for this vehicle was contested on both sides because the one selling it thought it was too high – and the one buying it thought it was too low. Yes. That is a highly unusual situation. That is the only time I've heard of that actually happening. And, you know, he's right about the uh, – he has to give him something for the deal, right? That's a legal thing. Right. You have to at least – I think the minimum is uh, a dollar. Yeah. Which is uh, – that's another that's another story I have uh, that maybe we'll get to. So the cool thing is, though, that that fourth-gen El Camino with some restoration work – could have been really, really nice, a really good thing to see on the road. However, it was like a state of primer brown where you can't tell. When it, one of those paint jobs is just to cover up rust spots almost. Sure, yeah, you just rattle can it where you can, mm-hmm. when you can, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing matches really. Nothing matches. There, were, there was a hole in the floorboard. Uh, but the thing, the thing was a beast, though, if you got it on the right road. Oh, of course – it uh it it drank oil and it was very very thirsty vehicle didn't have the best mpg i don't know if anyone saw that coming <laughs> yeah i would bet <laughs> now you were in tennessee right oh this was in georgia oh in georgia yeah. okay so um well still i mean there's still the case is that um it it probably had you know enough guts to climb hills you know, being a, <laughs> right, being a yeah, V8, yeah, yeah. And that's something I find a lot of down here. And newer engines are a little better at this, but some mm. of the older four-cylinder engines mm. uh, really struggle around these parts because oh, of yeah. the, uh, the in, uh, just intense uh, steep inclines that they have to climb all the time. The you steep know, inclines, and then have you ever been in? Have you have you ever been in like an early model neon or something? In summer, going up a steep hill while you have the AC on. <laughs> I okay, not the exact same experience, but uh, my my stepmother had a Ford Tempo that it, at times it would feel as if somebody had attached a rubber band to the back of the car, and it would it would <laughs> gradually, slowly start to creep down in speed as you uh-huh. accelerated more on the highway. 
and you would have to – I don't remember exactly what you'd have to do here. I don't know if you have to park it and then start up again. Uh, I know that accessories wear down on that. Like you couldn't climb certain hills even in – uh, northern Indiana, which isn't all that, uh, you know, uh, hilly. Um, it's not known no, for its mountainous it's, terrain. It, it's it's actually very flat, but <laughs> near the river, there's a, in, in the town of Wabash. I remember this mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, the town of Wabash, there's the Wabash River that goes through it, and on either side of that river valley, of course, there's a, a really steep hill. And this car would not climb some of those hills if the AC was on. There's, there's just no so, way. That's so crazy because it's it's something that, as a kid, when I first started driving, if I was driving an underpowered car, it would give me these weird nightmares later because there was there there were several very large hills yeah. in the area where I first learned to drive. Yeah, and you know what? That's kind of terrain. You're right. Where like you can't have two feet on level ground. Either one's up or one's down. It's right. always that way, no matter which way you're facing. Mm-hmm. So exactly. uh, yeah, I can I can totally understand that. But um, overall, was it a good vehicle? I mean, you you were able to uh, you know use it to get to school or to work or whatever you had to use it, use it for. Your yeah. dad, your dad maybe used it more than you did. <laughs> yeah, he used it. He used it more. It became a, it became somewhat of a project car, but it didn't have a whole lot of life in it. It was sort of like adopting. A 15-year-old dog. Oh, I see. You this is a stopgap I mean? procedure until right. you get the new one. Yeah. I see. And uh, But you know, overall, though, it was a lot of fun because just because there's there's something that might be familiar to all of us if, if you really enjoy driving, and that's this liberating feeling of driving a car that is already a POS. You know, you're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data and information in one AI powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit Slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A pretty old ship. (laughs) Family show. Yeah, family show. And what's amazing about that is you say, well, I don't, if I don't need this car, if my expectations for it are so low, then it's similar to how you must feel if you're getting a car for a demolition derby. Oh, Ben, you are, you're, you're on the edge of something that I want to talk about later today in another podcast. Okay. Uh, So. All right, we'll we'll but, hold but, that. We'll take that. But but you know what? I can I can uh, I can agree with you in that it's nice when you have a car that you're not so worried about maybe a, a shopping cart that bumps it and when you know you're in shopping somewhere or you know someone opens their door into it inadvertently. Uh you don't have to go mm-hmm. to the uh, you know the guy that did the restoration work and find out if the paint can be matched or mm-hmm. you know, something like that. It's it's really um it, it's freeing in a way. It really is. It's nice yeah. it's nice to have that freedom to not worry about every little thing with it. I, I totally get that. So overall, good vehicle. Sounds like um, oh, yeah. it did its job for the time that it was mm-hmm. needed, right? And the technical answer for the I because I do have a real answer for the question today, Scott. Oh, okay. You're not cheating all day then. I'm not cheating all day, just just enough to keep it interesting. <laughs> Which is what I told my ex-girlfriend. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. I'm kidding. Uh, so, all right. The I, the car that I purchased, the cheapest I ever purchased a car for, that ran actually very well, was an insider deal. It was corrupt, Scott Benjamin. It was corrupt, uh, Noel, the cover-up brown. I, I bought a car from a family member for the princely sum of one dollar. Oh, really? He yeah, did. he did. One dollar, the, the old one dollar purchase thing. Uh-huh. Uh, they're really doing you a favor. It's That's huge how it all favor. pans out, right? Now, what, so now what car was this? Pontiac Bonneville, man. The Bonneville was really. Yeah, the Bonneville was a one dollar car because you speak fondly of that vehicle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had I had two over the, over the time, um, but the the first one, white Bonneville. Uh, Early nineties. Land yacht. Land yacht. Oh man, are you kidding? And I loved it because we have to also keep in mind, you know, I wasn't living in a city environment mm-hmm. and I was just driving around on a lot of, on a lot of back roads. It was, it's sure. definitely, I mean, folks, come on. We, we all know the Bonneville is an old man car. That's, Pretty much the the association I have with it. Well, sure, they used to measure it by how many golf bags you could fit in the trunk. Uh huh. Right. Right. So, as a kid in high school, this was not necessarily a car that would that you would associate with uh, having. But I know what you're going to say that you loved about this is that you could pick up seven of your sketchiest friends and yes. pile them in, yep. and still have a great time. Yep. And still have just even a tiny little bit of room. Can I, can I see, I think I can say this on the air now. Enough time has passed. Oh, statute of limitations has passed, huh? I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Cause you know, we have a lot of listeners in law enforcement. Uh, I got in a car chase in that vehicle. A car chase? Yes. No kidding. Yeah. Just like in a high school film and the performance great, uh, the performance of the vehicle was great because. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, 
before we go much farther with this, is this yeah. evading the law or is this with like someone, someone, another angry motorist? Okay, I'll tell you the story. It was not <laughs> evading the law. Oh, good. Okay. It was been... not evading the law. There was no, you know, drinking or drugging or okay. I, I, stealing. I'll, I or already feel better about this story. So yeah. go ahead. I didn't I, mean to I think you like this one. Oh, good. I, and I hope you like it, listeners. Uh, so there was a guy who wanted to be a bully in our high school, senior. Uh, not the brightest crayon in the box. I don't think I've ever heard that expression. Oh, thank you. Uh, not the brightest crayon in the box. Yeah. Not the brightest color in the box. Yeah. And he, uh, there was a gas station directly down the street from our high school, which is a course where you would go to see and be seen, right? Yeah. And pick up chicks. Yeah. Yeah. Pick up chicks. And also you can get a soda. I mean, gas up the car, drive forever. It's all there. It's all there. It's a one stop shop for, uh, for high school fame. So, this guy rubs his, rubs his wrong way. He, and some altercation happened. I can't remember at school. And we, we drive by and I do have, by the way, like my girlfriend at the time and then five, four, four of my friends in, in the car as well. And, uh, I see him going by and one of my friends was kind of nuts. It's like, Oh, there's that guy. I hate him. And someone else said, you should moon him because they knew this guy had poor impulse control and he would do it. Yeah. And so the, and he was sitting, uh, shotgun side and then another friend was sitting directly behind him. They both mooned this guy, Scott, as he drove by and yelled his name and some inappropriate things for family show. What we didn't know is that he also had poor impulse control and what we learned that day. So he hopped into his Jeep. And began chasing us. And what a weird chase between a Bonneville and a Jeep, you know. And there were times where, because I ducked into this neighborhood that has a lot of hills and curves and it's kind of confusing. And managed to actually catch air in the Bonneville, mm-hmm. one of those things. It was it was one of the, the coolest driving experiences I had. Nobody got hurt, but I managed to lose him, which I, I was very proud of. I didn't understand why my girlfriend at the time was mad at me. I was like, did you see that? Yeah, the problem is this is a small town, right? Did you see this amazing driving? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, there was, yeah, he he got back to me, which is a story for a different day, but we were, <laughs> you know, you know, we were able to lose him. Well, that's good, good for yeah. you. And, uh, man, a little risky behavior, sure, but, uh, but that's one of those probably somewhat fond memories you look back on. Oh, yeah. Maybe uh, maybe even cause a little adrenaline rush even now when you think about it. Oh, I, I thought I was, are you kidding? I thought I was uh, gone in 60 seconds, you know, fast and furious. <laughs> you know what? That's the problem with cars today, Ben. There's just not enough room with those high dorsals for a proper mooning. <laughs> so that's it, the problem. It yeah. really is. I mean, you got to, well, the, the, the contortion position mm-hmm. you have to be in to, to do that. To pull I, something like I that blame off. government regulations. <laughs> yeah, I do too. It's all about safety now, isn't it? The EPA. It's the EPA. Yeah. Did you hear about the, uh, the design boss of Bentley? Uh, he, he started talking about some of the design changes that they foresee making. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should write to him and say, you know what Bentley owners want to be able to do? <laughs> they want to be able to moon people. Yeah, I think that's uh, it's probably not a requirement for Bentley owners, but uh, not yet. Maybe. But what about that extra touch of class? Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a classy move. That's right. Well, that's a little bit of a tangent. But what about you, Scott? Okay, all right. Um, I guess I I don't think this is qualified as cheating because you use this as your real example. But I also bought a car for one dollar. No way. I did, and you know what? I I brought in photo proof. 
It was such an unusual thing at the time. I thought, I thought it was so strange that uh, I had someone snap a photo of me doing this. And this would be back in roughly 19... 19- 90, I would guess, if I had, if I had to ballpark hey, it. Hey, I recognize that guy. That's a, uh, that's a uh, younger, thinner Scott there in that photo. Um, <laughs> I'm posing, like, I think we're passing the title and a single dollar bill between each other, mm-hmm. right? And that's a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine. His name is Steve. He looks like and he's officiating. Yeah, he kind of, he popped in there at the last second, but, uh, <laughs> he, um, well, he, his grandfather lived in Detroit. And, oh, let me see. I got to set this up in a, in a slightly different way here. My first car, as a lot of people know, was that 78 Pontiac Trans Am. And that was not the cheapest car I ever bought, but it's it's kind of the, the, the close second, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the one that was a real purchase negotiated between, you know, outside parties, I guess. That'd be, mm-hmm. the, that'd be that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought that one for like $1,100 uh, back in 1989. So that was a, a cheap buy, you know, that right. really, really inexpensive, but it was also really beat up. And we've talked about that at, at length. Um, but also that car caused me a lot of trouble, caused me a lot of, uh, maintenance, you know, a lot of repairs along with mm-hmm. it. You know, there was a lot of, uh, headaches that went along with that car. And as I was getting towards the end of that, um, I think this friend's father realized that I needed something a little more reliable. <laughs> and he's kind of looking out for me. He's kind of doing a favor for me because yeah. his father, my friend's father's father, um, was just moving into a retirement home in the area. He was mm-hmm. an old, old, much older gentleman. And uh, he lived in downtown Detroit, and he had this old car that they didn't want or didn't need that was parked in the back of the house. Mm-hmm. And I remember going down to see this vehicle for the first time. You know, when they told me about it, they were just going to give it to me. And then we realized, well, we probably have to give it, you know, pass a dollar back and forth here to make it legal. Right. Uh, so we did that. But they went to show me the vehicle, and it was in this back lot of this, uh, not a rundown. It was a nice house, actually, in downtown Detroit at the time. And it was a little weedy, a little overgrown because this older guy that had lived there had moved out somewhere else. Right, couldn't maintain so the So it was yard. in the backyard next to a garage with lots of weeds growing around and everything. And uh, it's a brown station wagon. It was a brown 1981 Mercury Lynx RS station wagon. And not, you know, a dream car by any means. Uh, and coming off of the Trans Am, it was kind of a... Uh, a bit of a letdown, but I'll tell you, later I came to really appreciate this car, so so it, it paid off in the end. But mm-hmm. um, the only thing that this, this thing needed to get going was a battery and a can of starter fluid. Oh, wow. It was great. That's it, great. It, it ran well. I don't remember the mileage or anything like that on this vehicle. Did um, it have the wood paneling on the it side? It did not have that, but I'll show you. Here's, the, uh, here's a picture of the car. No I'm way. leaning next to the car. Oh, you're so prepared. And... I'll tell you that picture that you're looking at right now yeah. is not the way that the car came to me. It was all sun faded and it was uh, it was kind of rough. You know, I didn't have you any hubcaps. Didn't have any hubcaps. No, I did not. I just worked on it. I'll t- I'll tell you what I found later. Okay. That's a uh, that's something that I would recommend to this day. I'll I'll, I'll mention that in just a moment. But um, again, this is a, gr- a great car, and I, I it's kind of like if you if you've never seen one of these, it's like the Ford Escort station wagon. It's the Mercury version of that, except it was the RS version. So it had a 1.6 liter um, engine. It was an automatic. I had done a few little things to it, um, just just cosmetic things to it, you know, the engine to kind of dress it up a little bit because that's what I did when I was younger, had yeah. time for that kind of thing. And um, let's see, what else, should, what's important about it, I guess. It was a three-speed automatic, um, weighed about 2,200 pounds, so it was pretty lightweight at the time. Mm-hmm. Didn't have all the uh, extra, you know, EPA regulation stuff, you know, the uh, the, the airbags and the, the, the right. side door protection and all that uh-huh. so it's relatively lightweight got really good mileage i've got an old ad here from one that was for sale 
uh, back in the day. And it was 20, uh, 26 and 36, you know, city and highway miles. Mm-hmm. So not bad. Um, I was able to get me back and forth to school for a reasonable amount of fuel rather than that Trans Am. Because <laughs> I, I was driving every day from, uh, well, I lived in the Bloomfield Hills area and I, I would drive up to, um, Flint, Michigan every day mm-hmm. for school. Or not almost every day for school, uh, to the University of Michigan. And, uh, it cost me quite a bit of money to get back and forth. You know, with that car that was getting about eight miles to the gallon. I think that was what I was getting in the Trans Am when wow. I was done. Uh, so it was kind of bad, but I really needed this solid transportation. And, and really, this guy uh, did me a, a, a tremendous favor selling me that car for a dollar. And I think that a lot of people probably have a similar story like you do, uh, mm-hmm. where they said, you know, Ben needs a car and we've got one, but mm-hmm. let's just make this a, an official deal. Yeah. And, and here's the dollar. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, the, the paint on this now, it's a, it's a brown car. It's a brown station wagon, mm-hmm. a very small station wagon. And you might think that's not really all that cool, but I got to say, it doesn't look too bad, does it, When in its final form, the one I'm showing you? No. It no, looks it almost almost black in at mm-hmm. certain angles because it was uh, like this really it's like um, a deep brown, a really deep brown with a metallic flake to it. Mm-hmm. And it actually looked really good in person. I put some, I know it's kind of funny, I put some uh, Keystone-type wheel hubcaps on it, <laughs> uh, which looked pretty good on it, really. It actually mm-hmm. fits pretty well. And... The uh, the paint, I said it was all faded and everything. Right. That is courtesy of, and I'm not selling this product, but uh, I will, I'm will. i actually going to buy this probably this weekend for my current vehicle, Liquid Glass. If anybody has ever used uh, yeah, a product yeah, yeah. called Liquid Glass, uh-huh. that stuff's like a miracle on, the, on your car. It's amazing. That's where I discovered it was on this vehicle, and I used it on every other vehicle I've owned since. Mm-hmm. Um, it's expensive. It's like you sell it by, it's a metal quart container, I think, and it's right. like 25 or 30 bucks. Uh, but it's a polish, and you have to kind of put it on like you would a wax, and then you bake it on in the sun. Mm-hmm. And the more you put on, the better the stuff gets. And I was working at the time when I had this vehicle. I was working at a nursery, and I had to park in a dirt lot. Mm-hmm. And so when I parked this car, uh, it would just be covered with dust at the end of the day because of all the trucks and tractors that had gone through and, um, you know, loading mulch and dirt materials, you know, nearby. And when I would leave the parking lot from this, it would just it would completely blow clean. Like I, it was almost as if I had gone to the car wash on the way home. Oh wow! I hadn't. It was the, yeah. stuff is that good. It really is. I, I recommend it highly to anybody. And again, I'm not selling. I don't have any kind of benefit for that whole thing. So if you want to save your one dollar car, yeah. Exactly. So you paid more for the uh, you paid more for the liquid glass. I, I did, than you yes. did for the car. And, you know, along the way, of course, you know, there's going to be expensive, sure. not expensive, yeah. but. but Small repairs you have to do, you know, exhaust uh-huh. and things like that. And I, had, I did a little bit of uh, kind of dress up work on it, I suppose. You know, like maybe some exhaust tips because mm-hmm. that's what you did at the time. That was, you mm-hmm. know, remember late '90s or early '90s, rather. Yeah, um, in the days before the whistle tip. It was uh, the days before Fast and the Furious and all that too, <laughs> right? So you didn't really have a lot of places that were doing aftermarket stuff, and especially not for that car. But I mm-hmm. thought it was a pretty cool vehicle, and. Um, on the highway, it wasn't anything fantastic. It wasn't a speed demon or anything, but it looked good. And mm-hmm. uh, I did backfire when I would let off the gas if I had been driving it for a while on the uh, on the freeway. Maybe uh, the moment I would release the fuel, uh, there would be a loud, almost like a gunshot fire, <laughs> and uh, it scared me a few times. I pulled over several times to try to investigate it and figure out what happened. I thought I blew a tire or something, but um, it, it became kind of a uh, almost like a trick, Ben. You could almost do it at will on the highway if you wanted to, and. Uh, it probably shouldn't have, but to scare other drivers, you know, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing you think is fun when you're 18 or 19 years old. It still sounds kind of cool. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. Yeah. If you can do it when you want to, that's, uh-huh. uh, that's pretty fun. Um, sometimes it did it when I didn't want it to, though. That was the other side of that whole thing. 
You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I would say, Ben, this car right here, this, this one is probably the very first car that I ever kind of obsessed over uh-huh. as far as keeping it clean, keeping it, uh, you know, pristine inside and out. And it wasn't perfect by any means. There was on the, on the bottom edge of the, um, the lift gate, there was a tiny bit of rust that I covered up and painted and, you know, smoothed out a little bit and made it look nice. But, um, I was really, really careful with it. And the other car, you know, it was nice, but it was in rough, rough condition. And I tried my best with that one, but it, I, this one I could really make look good. And that's something that kind of stuck with me for about another four or five vehicles until, you know, things got in the way, like the, you know, mm-hmm. house and family and job and all that stuff, you know, that, uh, took more of my time. But this one is kind of the, uh, the genesis of that, of that, um, extreme car care, I guess, you know, the, the one that I really cared about maybe the most at the time, you know, the, the, for the first one, I should say. Um, and then that carried over into other vehicles, but it was a lot of fun and really for a dollar. I mean, who can, who can beat that? And I sold it to my brother for, uh, the cost of my most recent repair to it, which was, I think a suspension part or something. Yeah. How much cost was it? Me. It was 350 bucks. So I sold it to him, my, my middle brother. And, uh, not long after that, about, I guess it'd be about two weeks after that. 
Oh, no. Um, he got into a collision with it. So I'm showing Ben a photo of that right now. So it looks like the collision was on the right front passenger side. Yeah. The headlight is just popped, and yeah. you had to tie down the radiator. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was undrivable. They had to have it towed to oh, the lot. Yeah. I, I went to the impound lot where they oh, towed man. it to to see it. Was he okay? And, uh, yeah, he's fine. He was fine. But it was such a severe impact on the front. I don't know exactly the details of what happened, but it was so severe and the car, of course, is much older vehicle. Right. Nineteen, I want to say eighty-one. I think eighty-one. It was. Yeah, it's an eighty-one. An eighty-one. So it it uh, it buckled above where the driver and passengers sit. Um, there's a there's a, a crease in it. So there's just no saving that car. There's a bent frame. The yeah. engine was pushed in. He was fine, like I said. So that's that's good. There was no passenger. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, no injuries in the crash at all. The other car just caved in that vehicle, and it's it was sad to see it happen like that so quickly afterwards and i um, i don't know if it was his fault or if it wasn't i don't remember the details but um you know it's, it's sad when you see something like that happen but you know it served its purpose for several years for for many many years really i mean it was around for uh, a good 15 years before uh, it met its end i only had it for the last few but uh right. but, but i appreciated my time in it and really for a buck who can go wrong in it but you know beyond that one dollar the other cheapest car i bought would have been my first vehicle that trans am for, yeah. for eleven hundred I like, you know, I like the idea of being able to give someone when they're growing up a car. I know a lot of parents go back and forth about that. And as I've said before, I'm not a parent so far as I know. And <laughs> can I say that on the family oh, show? Why not? Oh, uh, it's there. It's already it's an old in. joke, really. It's an old joke, right? I'm getting, I'm pretty good with these dad jokes at wink, this point. Wink. <laughs> it's an old joke about 17 years <laughs> no i'm kidding uh so the the uh the point i'm making though is that i know as parents people can often like listeners those of you who have kids you have probably already thought many times you know how do i safely introduce my kid to driving with a car that will be um will be able to Safeguard them if they're involved in a wreck, especially considering how much more likely a younger driver is to be involved in an auto accident. But then also there's the other side, which is, should I get my kid a really nice expensive car if I know their chances of wrecking a car are higher now than they will be for the next several decades? Yeah. You know what? My mom was all in favor of me trading in the uh, or selling the Trans Am to get this vehicle. Of course she was, right? Right. Um, my dad, I think he was kind of 50-50 about it, but he also understood that, you know, the thing had become a money pit, the Trans Am. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, it, but, uh, Eight miles a gallon? It, yeah, it was about that, somewhere around there, maybe even less at, at some point. Um, I, there were things about it that I really appreciated. I really did. And, I mean, I, I think that, you know, it was, a, it was a good vehicle for me. One thing, oh, one thing that I didn't mention um, is that I had just at that time purchased my new go-kart, or my, my old uh. new go-kart. And uh, I still have that go-kart, by the way, but it, but it fit exactly in the back end of that wagon. It was like it was nearly custom fit. I think I had to lift the front wheels over the wheel wells uh, in the back, but worked out just right. I was able to carry it around town and use it wherever I wanted. It was, it was a blast. Cool. Yeah, it was just right. Like, I didn't have to have a pickup truck or anything like that. You know, it worked out perfect. And, Ben, mm. maybe maybe the last thing I want to mention about this. I, yeah. I, going, you know, preparing for this whole thing, I looked up the specs, the performance specs. Uh, if you can call them that, uh, the 1981 Mercury Lynx RS station wagon with a 1.6 liter automatic, and it's not—it's a bit dismal. It's worse than I remembered. 
<laughs> so here's the thing. All right. I'll tell you these uh, these blistering times and speeds. Hang on. Let me get my judgmental stance. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that power move where people lace their uh, hands behind their head. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to look at me with a judgmental stare. I'm going to lean back. Yeah. Where's that cigar? Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right so as I said, it was an inline four cylinder, single over a cam. It only had two valves per cylinder and a two barrel carburetor. This is a carbureted car from, you know, back then. Wow. All right. So here's the estimation of its, uh, of its performance. The zero to 60 acceleration. 16.5 seconds, 0 to 60. Mm. That's a long, long time to get up to speed in traffic. I mean, to get into the highway. Yeah, that was yeah. Uh, that meant when you got on a uh, an off-ramp, or an on-ramp, rather, you better be fully on the fuel. That's in a slow-lane car. Yeah, yeah you have is, to gun it just yeah. to get up to speed. Well, it is, I mean, because... <laughs> 16 seconds. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. This I, I don't know if I find this more funny than that. So it's... 16 and a half seconds to get to 60 miles per hour. The site that I looked at was a, a European site. So they went to the, you know, zero to 62 miles per hour, the yeah, zero to 100 yeah, kilometers per yeah. hour, 17.6 seconds. So that means that between 60 miles per hour and 62 Two. miles per, per hour, <laughs> the difference is 1.1 seconds. So it took, uh, that's, 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 I don't know. When you think about it that way, it's not that significant, but, but to see the difference in time for two miles per hour, yeah. That's, that, I think it that is, is significant. I argue that it is. It kind of is. I mean, it, it, it's a, uh, like a chunk of time that a car would normally take up to get up to just 60. Right. All right. And the quarter mile time? Oh, man. Okay. 20.8 seconds. Wow. 20.8 seconds. That's, uh, that's barely moving. That's bad. That is bad. And I wonder, <laughs> well, I mean, you would just be getting up to 60 miles an hour at that point. So when you're, when you were street racing, you had to depend on your prior experience, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No drag shoot required on that one. Like how Michael Jordan, when he was, when he was aging out yeah. of the he, NBA, he yeah. had to depend on his experience. <laughs> I don't know if I could draw the comparison between the two, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting vehicle. So, uh, one question. How or maybe two? How many people could you transport in this? Oh, let's see. I guess the back seat could handle three, and the front was separated by a uh, like a center console area. Mm. Uh, so I would think two, so five. I could carry five, and then if you wanted to in the back, I mean, the, yeah. It's, did you have those two jump seats in the back? No, it's a tiny wagon. It's a very oh, okay. small wagon. Yeah, it looks compact, um, and there's no seat back there. I suppose you could have somebody sit back there if you wanted to. Could you fit two people you back could, there? You could probably get two people back there, and I, I would bet that I did at some point. So. That all adversely affects the speed. I mean, forget, forget that. Uh, oh no, no, no! You Sixteen seconds, zero to sixty time. Yeah, that's a thing. You get four people in there, even, and uh, you're trying to, uh, you know, merge on the highway. You could notice the difference. Uh yes, yeah. You might as well just flip the uh, the blinkers on, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, get into the right lane for as long as you need to. Cut some holes in the floorboard so your buddies can flintstone it. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, a faster a method. A, fa- <laughs> a faster method. But no, it really it really was a it was a good car and I I look back at it fondly. I mean I really do because uh, I, I wasn't the one who smashed it up or anything like that. And I, that might have skewed my my idea of it, my thought of or my um I guess my nostalgia for that right, vehicle really. Right. But it really did teach me some good lessons about um you know keeping a car clean and and uh mm-hmm. you know how to um I guess uh make a reasonable choice, you know, make a, a reasonable selection for a vehicle that you need for certain things like getting to work or getting to school. It uh, mm-hmm. it, it made sense. But I I'm I'm still thankful for 
you know, that friend's father for thinking of me in that situation and, and allowing me to get that vehicle for just, you know, a dollar purchase. And <laughs> even if it was a hundred dollars, it would have been worth it or five hundred dollars would have been worth it. But I, yeah, I think that's, I think it's a very charitable and generous thing. Mm-hmm. So listeners, we hope that you have enjoyed this episode. We have a couple of questions. Uh, do you have a story of the cheapest running car you ever got? Do you miss it? Do you regret it? Have you just wiped it from your mind? Is it something you will never speak of again? If so, sorry to hear that happened, but that's fine because another thing we would like to hear is how you think parents should handle their kid's first car. Ah, you know what? I've heard some pretty good advice about this over the years. And uh, one of the best things that I've heard, and, and maybe I'm stealing someone's thunder here, but <laughs> one parent says they, they always look for the cheapest Volvo that they can find. Oh, yeah, I've because heard that Because of the too. safety aspect mm-hmm. of the whole thing. It's a big, solid car that has a lot of safety features built in and has for many, many decades, mm-hmm. more so than a lot of other cars that are in that same time frame and same price range. So that's a pretty smart thing to do. But what are, what are some of the other tactics that, um, right. that, that people use? Is it, is it the tactic to buy the biggest, you know, the, the sturdiest vehicle you can find? Mm-hmm. Is it to buy something that's small but has all the, the modern features? Do you, uh, do you buy your kids their favorite car when they're 16? Some people do, which personally, mm, I don't know. Yeah. No lesson learned there. I don't know. Or do you, uh, do you tie it to a reward system? Right? Like if your grades are above a certain threshold for X amount of time, then maybe you can have the old beater in the backyard. Mm-hmm. You know? Yep. You know what we're doing right now for my daughter? Mm. She is, uh, she's contributing to her own car fund. And then when it's time, we will double whatever amount is in there. See, I think that's great. I, uh, I, when I bought, uh, when I bought that Pontiac, you know, that was all cash, buddy. That was all on my end too. Yeah, well, mine too. That's the same way. It was all <laughs> it was all my own work, but we're gonna we're gonna match funds. I guess that's a well, that's, that's a cool, better way man. to say it. Match funds. That's really cool. And uh, that way, I know that you know. Well, I'll I'll be of course I'll be a big part of the search for this vehicle. Sure. And make sure that it's reliable and safe and all that stuff. Of Is course. she getting the Lambo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right now that kid, that darn kid, has already put in twenty five thousand dollars. I know she had her eye on the Lambo. <laughs> no, it's really it's a it's a uh, it's a meager fund at this point. So you know, I'm I'm thinking that this is okay. Uh, but if she really starts, you know, socking away a bunch of money, oh boy, Ben, I'm in trouble. Yeah, you better watch out. Yeah, I hope she doesn't get like a real high paying job when she turns like. 15 or 16 or something uh-huh. crazy like that. Becomes a, a viral YouTube star. <laughs> oh, yeah, it could be trouble. Yeah, she says, uh, when she comes to me for the, uh, for the, you know, the check. Yeah, you guys are going to match that 800K I have, right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, man, that would be crazy. But at that point, the conversation changes anyway, because wouldn't you be so proud of her? So, oh, well, that's true. That's so true. let us, let us know how you plan to handle, uh, cars and kids or how you handled it in the future or how your parents handled it. Yeah. If you have a help, helpful tip, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, that's right. And but, but most importantly, write in with your again cheapest running vehicle that you yes. ever bought, the one that you actually used for transportation. That's uh, those are fascinating stories. And if you would like to check out some of our earlier podcasts, you are in luck, ladies and gentlemen, friends and neighbors. We have a website called CarStuffShow.com where you can check out not some, not a few, not many, but 
all of the audio episodes we have ever done. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's a long, long, long list at this point. It is a long list. And we, we have some, we have some stuff, uh, especially for those of us out there looking to purchase a car now. We have, uh, we have some pretty helpful pieces on buying both used and new cars. Yeah, that's tough. We sometimes get emails with people asking us, uh, you know, opinions about certain people, like very specific right. things, and that's tough to do. We're not really in that game, but uh, but the podcast kind of cover all that. So Yeah, cover you, the high level. Yeah, if you want to uh, do a search on our site and, and find something that would maybe help you out, uh, have at it. There's a lot there. And one of the most important things that I will say always sticks out in my mind when people talk about this kind of stuff. No matter how comfortable you are with the vehicle you're about to purchase, you know Mustangs back and forth at the back of your hand like nobody's business, no matter who you are, always use the buddy system when you're buying a car. You never know what somebody else will see that you might have missed. No, that's a good point. Sorry, let me get off the soapbox here because... Second set of eyes. Second set of eyes. We've got a we've got a mosey on down the road. If you would like to write to us, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We are Car Stuff HSW at both of those. And if you would like to send us your stories, we would love to hear them. Maybe even read a few on air. Yeah, you know what? If we get enough of these, maybe we could just do kind of a listener response episode where we read, uh, you know, listener mail. You know, mm-hmm. with all these stories of the cheapest running car you've ever bought. So, uh, so if you have something like that. Mm-hmm. Send it to us at carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash Zero. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.